Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. For those of you who have never ventured or ever ventured out of your normal routine and have gone to the other Sunday service, depending on what other means, we have an 8 o'clock and a 10.30 service, you will have no doubt noticed differences. Some are very striking. The 8 o'clock service has no music. It is quiet, contemplative, feels a bit more personal, private, pious and reverent, and meaningful in a different way. The 1030 service, this service on the other hand, is filled to the brim with music and song and chant. It is grand. It has tons of people processing and milling about. Many people involved, readers, oblation bearers, chalice bearers, choir, acolytes, lay readers. There are always in this service children making noise, plenty of pomp and circumstance. It is, in my opinion, our best expression of what it means to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It is what the divine liturgy, the Eucharist, should be about, the work of the people. One other striking and noticeable difference in the two Sunday liturgies is language. The eight o'clock service is a relatively pure expression of the medieval liturgy. It has generally kept the language from the first Eucharists said in English, vouchsafe, it is meet and right so to do, thee, thou. These are things you will hear and say. Now this service has adopted language crafted in the late 60s and 70s. There is a significant difference in the expressions and words used. As I spoke of last week, some things have been removed from this liturgy to modernize it to bring it up to date with modern shifts in thought and culture. One of the more marked differences is how the priest, me, and the people, you, speak to one another. Now, I always find great joy and humor when the two congregations, the 8 o'clockers and the 1030 folks, come together in the parish hall or something for a common event, and I give the greeting, the Lord be with you. All at one and the same time, you hear the difference, and you know immediately who's an eight o'clocker and who goes to this service. The response is always a muddled and also with you mixed with and with thy spirit. Usually sounds and also with thy spirit. In the top 20 questions asked me, this muddled response always is somewhere between 10 and 12. Why, it is asked, are there completely different responses at eight o'clock and 10.30? What's the difference? I'll explain. The original greeting that we use, the Lord be with you and also with you, was from the Latin. It is ancient, ancient of days as it were, and it goes something like this, Dominus vobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo, is a reply of the people. Now in English, since I know all of you speak Latin, <laughs> in English it's the Lord be with you and with your spirit. 
is a reply. That's a literal translation. To the modern ear, that sounds odd, and with your spirit. It really doesn't make much sense to the modern mind, meaning this is not the way you and I, people, talk to each other nowadays. So it was changed to, and also with you, in the modern rites, to make more sense. This somewhat unusual turn of phrase, though, finds its home in biblical language. St. Paul uses this turn of phrase repeatedly when writing to churches in his various epistles. In closing his letter to the church in Galatia, Paul writes, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Paul repeats a version of, of this ending, closing in his letter to the church in Philippi, and when he writes to Philemon and Timothy. The phrase, no doubt, has biblical origin. Now, how do we use this phrase? What do we make of it? Why do we use it? Now, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, everybody, but there is disagreement about why we use it. Not that anyone in the church would ever disagree about anything. I know. <laughs> if you've been here over three weeks, you know that in the church there's disagreement aplenty. But one of the more common explanations given as to why we use this unusual phrase and one to which I think there is much truth, is that the phrase that we use, this greeting, refers to the gift of the Spirit given to the priest at his ordination. The greeting, the Lord be with you, is reserved to the priest. You won't find this greeting anywhere in the prayer book besides when it is said by the priest. So there's good reason to think that it speaks of this special gift and special charism that is given at ordination. But there's another explanation, and one I like better, and one I want to focus on today. St. Paul, as we heard, begins the reading in his epistle this way, 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, which is your spiritual worship. That is another unusual turn of phrase that needs, I think, a bit of explanation. Now, the word spiritual here is from the Greek logikos, which I know everyone's going to run out this afternoon and tell everybody that they learned a Greek word, right? Logikos. Uh, probably not, but uh, to make that a little more present to you, logikos is where we get the words logic and logical. Logikos, spiritual, in that sense means logical. It's a word that pertains to things dealing with reason and logic, the seat of our soul and that thing that makes humans different from other animals. We have the ability to use reason and logic. So then when the phrase, the Lord be with you and with your spirit or with thy spirit is used, it can also mean that we are asking the Lord God to be with us as we employ our reason and logic as we form, shape, and educate our conscience. Now, it's also of note that the word worship it is used in Paul's epistle here. The word worship has biblical origins as well. But worship actually means obligation, service rendered for hire. That is a literal translation of what we read as worship this morning, obligation. 
So that means that worship is not something we do to be entertained. Worship is not something that is meant for us, but it is something we are obliged to offer to God. So in worship, the idea is that we gather to offer something to God and not be entertained or have our desires and wants met. So now getting back to the idea of spiritual worship, reasonable obligation, Paul tells us of our obligation to form, train, educate, sharpen our ability to use logic and reason. So let's look at how and when this greeting is used, the Lord be with you and with thy spirit, in the service. And that will give us more insight, I think, to what Paul is talking about. Now I want you all to stop and think for a moment. How many times is the Lord be with you and also with you used in our Sunday liturgy? I'll give you a second to guess. Four times. Four times. So now if you want to know what St. Paul is talking about when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, these four times give the foundation for our lives of spiritual worship and a life lived as a sacrifice acceptable to God. Now the first time we use this turn of phrase was a while ago at the collect of the day. The prayer that said right before we share the lessons or we hear the Bible readings of the day. This morning the prayer went like this. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name, etc. Now this collect prayer, it collects our thoughts. This prayer is a concise and important lesson in theology, an important lesson on how we relate to God, how God relates to us, and how we relate to one another. Today, we are taught and reminded that the unity of the church of God comes from the Holy Spirit and not ourselves. And only in the Holy Spirit can the church witness to the world, show forth the power of God. We show forth the power of God's love and mercy and peace only because we possess His Holy Spirit. It's a lesson. So then, if you take this first greeting and apply it to your personal lives, your obligation, your spiritual worship then is to commit yourself to learning and comprehending the teachings of the church, to the teachings that unite our consciousnesses to God. The second place the greeting is used was a few moments ago at the gospel. We use this greeting before we hear the good news of God in Jesus Christ, before we hear the news of our salvation. So the second application to personal life, if you will, is the reading of the gospels, the reading of the whole Bible, really, to not be conformed to the world but transformed by the renewing of your minds, as blessed Paul tells us, is to commit to reading the Bible to help educate, form, shape, and sharpen our consciousness. Study reading the Bible. Now the third place we haven't done yet is at the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer before our hearts are lifted heavenward, before Jesus becomes present to us all in the bread and the wine right before we unite ourselves to Jesus sacramentally, mystically, in taking the bread and wine, we are reminded 
that this is also a thing that informs and shapes our conscious, our ability to reason, transforms us. So in our own personal lives, participation in the liturgies of the church, the mysteries of the church, the sacraments, is essential to form, shape, and sharpen our ability to reason, to be transformed to the mind of God. Now the final use comes at the very end when everybody's ready to go home. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit comes at the dismissal. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. We are sent forth from this liturgy forgiven, fed, and with the duty of Christian service. So we're giving something to do. We are to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick, to give rest to the weary. The list goes on and on and on. We are to commit ourselves to a life of Christian charity and mercy. The final cornerstone then is in giving ourselves to these acts of charity and mercy. If we are to properly form and shape, sharpen our ability to reason, to transform ourselves, we must engage ourselves in service to others. So while there is physical worship, fasting and feasting, standing and kneeling, making the sign of the cross, bowing, genuflecting, there's also worship of the mind, obligations of the mind. And I propose this thesis, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, that the greeting between priest and people, the Lord be with you and also with you or and with thy spirit, is no mere greeting. It is rather the guide and governor of what it means to offer spiritual worship, of what it means to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. We must follow its lead and take its example if our minds are be, to be transformed to God and if we are to save ourselves from being conformed to this world. Beloved, let us renew our commitment to the study of the teachings of the church, to reading and praying with the Bible. Let us renew our commitment to participation in the services of the church and participation in the sacraments. And let us renew our commitment to works of charity and to mercy. For if we are to be transformed and become the living and holy sacrifice God calls us to be, we must without fail commit to the renewal and transformation of our minds, which is our spiritual worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.